0: This morning, turn with me to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. Man, didn't Brian do a great job last week? And convicted my heart to expect bigger things, to seek the greatest. For we worship that which is above all others, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so often we limit Him, but... And especially when he preached my messages back at me, I was so convicted that God is so much bigger than anything we could ever ask, think, or dream of. But I want to continue on that path this morning in 1 Samuel 15. And let me say as a bridge to this, the big invite, already almost 900 churches have signed up. To do this now, there's 3,600 Georgia Baptist churches, and so as I sat there, I got me two of the the prayer cards. Inquire. I hope you got one. If you didn't, right now would be a good time to go ahead and get it. But we want to, at the end, make that show that God, we mean business. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for these. Well, I listed a couple pretty quick, but I found that it didn't take me long till I was. Yearning, God show me somebody else, and I wrote a few more, and then I wrote a few more. And there are people who need Jesus. And every week, we're going to continue to build on the big invite. There's a seven-week process, and we're seven weeks out of worshiping our Lord in respect to that great day that changed the world, Resurrection Sunday. And so we're going to be urging and giving you tools to reach your neighbors, your friends, your family with the gospel of Jesus Christ and with an invitation to come and worship on Easter. Men, one of your great tools that you're going to have at your disposal this Easter season is our men's banquet on March 31st, Friday, March 31st, here in the Rock. And I am so excited. I may be more excited about this one than any other. Because our speaker for the night will be retired Major Jeff Stryker. Jeff Stryker uh, was one of the Humvee drivers that went in to rescue the pilots who were downed in Mogadishu during the Battle of Somalia, known as Black Hawk Down. His gunner was killed on the way into that battle zone. He was trapped in downtown Mogadishu uh, for 17 hours. And uh, you just, I'm not going to tell you his testimony. It's his testimony. But when I talked to him about coming and speaking that night, he said, I don't want it to be another event. I get asked to speak at events. He said, but what I'm hearing is, y'all have a burden to reach men. That's my heart, is to give men the gospel and to show them there's hope found in Jesus Christ. And so you'll be uh, seeing in the next few weeks, we'll have tickets available. It is an event that we raise money to scholarship seniors uh, that goes on to college, Uh, but bigger than anything, and the deacons have already agreed, I've challenged them, challenged me that we're going to each buy a table and we're going to buy those tickets and we're personally going to use them to invite people to sit at our table who are unchurched, who do not have a place of worship, who do not know the Lord. And so it's going to be a great, great night. We'll have great food and uh, great fellowship, but we'll hear uh, the great word from retired Major, Major, Major Chaplain Cha- 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 Jeff Schrecher. First 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. Growing up, Uh, we had chores and we were expected to do it. We did not have allowances, we had chores. And you did them because you got to eat. Uh, You know, we'd say, what about an allowance? And dad'd say, well, we're allowing you to eat, we're allowing you to sleep here, we're allowing you to wear the clothes that we buy you. And uh, I learned the value of that. But I can remember dad coming in or mom and saying, why didn't you do what you were told? Why didn't you do that? And my my first angle was deference. You know, why didn't you cut the grass? I didn't say because I didn't want to. I knew better than that. I didn't say because it was hot. I knew better than that. I would start laying off and try to deflect. And I'd say, well, but I, but I did the vacuuming. I cleaned up my room. Yeah, but you didn't cut the grass. Yeah, but I, I finished all my school work. I did it. But you didn't cut the grass. They would go back to that point. So many times in our lives, God is speaking to us. God is calling us to a very specific thing in our life. Number one, he's calling us unto repentance. You cannot go through life Choosing your own way and trying to mediate with God. You cannot come before the throne of the most holy God and say, God, I may not have repented, I may not, but look at all the good I've done. We know. We know Jesus told us there will be people doing that throughout. The judgment. Oh, but didn't I prophesy in thy name? And didn't I cast out demons? And didn't I give to the poor? And didn't I do all this? Yes, but you did not do the main thing. so today, I want us to look at the first king of Israel. And the truth of the matter that our God is bigger than our sacrifice. There is nothing, absolutely nothing on this earth You can sacrifice to please God, including yourself. And we'll see how that works out. He tells us in verse 22 of chapter 15, and then I'll tell you the story. Samuel the prophet said unto Saul, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, we know that Israel had gotten themselves into a bind because they wanted to be like everybody else. It's not just for the young people, but young people, listen to me. The first trap Of Satan in your life is to believe that you need to fit in. Now, all of us this morning, Beck said, What should I wear? After I said, What did I wear last Sunday? I couldn't remember. I couldn't no more remember what I wore last Sunday. And I've just got so many suits, I just rotate them, you know, and I stick the one I'm done in the end and it just gets moved down the conveyor belt. And she said, well, what should I wear? I said, I don't know, you know, all this type of stuff. And so so often we we can't even remember those things and we come and we, we put on and we do things, but what matters is what God is speaking to our heart. Uh, uh, you know, when, when we get dressed, when we go shopping, we want to buy something, we want to get something to, to put on that the world will say, "This is who I am. This is how I dress. This is, this is my personality. I, I wear boots and you know I wear a Columbia vest or I wear loafers and a t- untucked shirt or and, and all of that is part of our personality, and we want the world to say, look at me, not in necessarily an arrogant way, but we want to stand apart, but in doing so, so many times we just blend in. The children of Israel said, we want to blend in. We want to be like every other nation. God had already said, come out from among you and be a separate people. Don't mix with them. Don't go with them. Don't marry with them. Don't eat with them. I have chosen you above all nations. And yet they lowered themselves to be less than what God had called. So God anointed Saul. Saul, a man who was head and shoulders above all others. A man who was great in stature and well respected in the community. And it says in verse 15, Samuel also said unto Saul, verse 1, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people. Over Israel. Now therefore. Listen to this. Now. Because of God's calling on your life. He said hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. He did not say hearken unto the words of the Lord. He said hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Of the Lord. If we want to stay out of trouble, if we want to really be everything God wants us to be, then number one, we've got to hear His voice. There's a lot of people that hear the words of God, but they don't hear the voice of God. There's a lot of people who have taken the Word of God, the words plural. They have opened up the Bible and they have tried to look at it in their Context. They have read the Bible through their worldview, and some in their worldview have belittled the holiness of God. Y'all, y'all understand where I'm going with this. You understand that there are those who do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, they do not believe in the holiness of God, they do not believe in the absoluteness that this Word is the Word. And so they believe it's just a moral guide. They believe it's just a a compass or or an orientation handbook that will help us through life. They hear the words, but they do not hear the voice. It's the last time. It's the last time you can honestly say, I heard God speak to me. That our prayer life It's so connected that in riding down the road in the midst of the chaos of everyday life, you clearly, not these verbal words. I'm not talking about pie in the sky, you know, rope in the clouds. I'm not talking about that. But God spoke to your heart. You heard the voice of God telling you, do this, do that, or I'm God, listen to me, watch me, walk with me. We must hear his voice. And then in hearing God's voice, obey his word. He said, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. He, I mean, right from the very start, he is drawing a picture of how we should be in an intimate relationship with the one who speaks to us. Every day of our lives, walking With him, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. In Christ alone, my hope is found. In him alone, do we have joy? In him alone, do we find comfort and strength? I went and met with Martha and her family and prayed with them. It is Everything we teach and everything we preach, every song of the faith, when we sing victory in Jesus and blessed assurance and when we all get to heaven and when the roll is called up yonder and all of the great songs of the faith, this is when it matters, when we're standing on the brink of eternity. Is it real? Is His Word real? Is God's voice speaking to our heart? That's when it matters. Are we hearkening unto the voice? He said in verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag. Now, what had happened is God had sent Samuel and he said, You're the king, Saul. You're the king of Israel. But the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, has issued you an edict. The Bible is very clear, even through the New Testament, He speaks of honor, but he tells us as children to do what with our parents? Obey. Obey our parents. And as children of the Most High God, we are to obey. He said, Saul, God has called you to take your soldiers, the warriors of Israel, and go to the Amalekites. Go and take them. And when I say take them, it does not mean imprison them. He's literally said kill the king, kill the soldiers, kill the family, kill the animals, wipe them off the face of the earth. Now, hear me. We live in this PC society where we question this. And some would say, how can you believe in a bloody God that would do all this? Can I be real frank and honest with you? I don't fully comprehend all this, but I know God created it, so he's still God over it. And when God says it, that is the most holy thing that could happen. And that's what God told them to do. How do you feel about ISIS? Do you think that we ought to just go have a tea party with them, sit down and discuss the terms, how we ought to work things out? They were sitting at the peace accords during... The Battle of Vietnam, while the North Vietnamese were, were building up their front in Cambodia and Laos, coming down the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and we're over there being diplomatic and trying to use words when they're fixing to bring on a full assault in the Tet and all the other battles. Listen, we have a Treaty of Versailles that Hitler laughed at we have all the other things of the world that says, oh, we'll get along. How many times, if you're my age, have we seen an Israeli on one side, an Arab on another, and the president in the middle saying, we have found peace. We have seen it over and over and over. I've got news for you. The only time the world's going to see peace between those two, between Ishmael And Isaac, the only time is when Jesus is not standing there holding their hands, smiling for the camera, but when he's holding a rod of iron, sitting on his throne, the prince of peace, church. In that same mentality, God said, go and take them. Different sermon, different day. But here's what happened. He said, Saul and the people spared Agag. Agag. They spared them. And they spared the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings, and the land, all the things that were good, but they utterly destroyed the things that were vile and refuse. They completely wiped it off. So what they judged was good, they kept. What they judged as bad, they got rid of. Now, I want, to hear, I want you to hear where we go wrong. Number one, we go wrong when we stop hearkening to the voice and start listening to self. If you ever hear a voice that says self, stop, just stop. I am my worst enemy. I am my absolute. When I lay there at night, when I'm driving down the road, when I'm sitting in my office, and I begin to meditate on my own thought processes, when I begin to listen to what I think I can do or where I think we should go, what I think my family should be, what I think the church should be. When I start listening to myself and stop listening to God, I am headed for disaster. Church, if we want to see the world turned upside down, if we want to see this place filled for Christ, it will not be because we choose it. It will be because we listen to Him. Have you ever found yourself full of joy in the midst of Worst trial and tribulation, and think how God. I I don't even understand how, but God's comfort overwhelms you. It's because you listen to Him. It's because His voice drowned it out—the voice that says you just need to whine and complain. You need to let the world know just how miserable you really are. But God says, "I'm bigger. I'm greater." Lord, you're higher than any other. God can do great things. If He can cause them to walk through the Red Sea, to drink water out of the rock, if He can cause those great things of raising people from the dead, restoring sight to the blind, giving strength in the legs of the lame, Jesus can do anything he wants to at East Side. Yes. Are we listening? Sunday school teachers, are we listening? Student workers, are we listening? Children, parents, are we listening? What does God want? Look, we want them to be dressed up a certain way. We want our little boys in their polo shirts and their Georgia boots and the girls in their Matilda James and a bow this big in their hair and we we want to take a gazillion pictures and we want everybody to know we have the absolute most beautiful children that's ever been birthed on the face of God's earth. But what does God want for your children? Have you prayed over your child, God, save them the first time the Holy Spirit draws them? Lord, I pray that you lead them according to the paths of your righteousness for your namesake. Not that they'll get a really good job. They'll get, you know, and I have all that. God, give them a godly spouse. Make them listen when you speak to their heart. May they grow a godly family. May their generation change this world. That's what we ought to be praying. That's what ought to be on your list. But the problem was Saul listened to himself. Think about it. Samuel comes in. Samuel says, oh, king, God's got a big plan for you. <clears throat> Saul's sitting on his throne. Now, he's already imposing figure. He's a bad dude. I wouldn't want him to mess with it. Samuel wasn't scared now. <laughs> Samuel told him what God told him. He's up there on his throne. Give me something to drink. Let me think about it. tell you what we can do. And you know what? I don't even think he sat and meditated. I think it was in the rush of the moment. And here's why I say that. Because a lot of us go out with the right intentions. But in the heat of the moment, we do the wrong thing. Why is that? Because Paul said, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And why is it? Because I'm not prepared for battle. My mind is not on spiritual things. I'm not prayed up. I'm not confessed and repented up. I am not crucified up where I have died to the self so that no matter what happens today, I'll bring honor and glory to God. You ever caught yourself flying off the handle? and thinking, how in the world did I do that? Why in the world did I say that? I, now I've got to come back and apologize. and Now I've got to come back and do all this. Listen, Saul went into it. And the first thing, he didn't listen. But then what happened was, It's because he saw the situation with his logical mind. It seemed logical. Every other king took spoil. Every other church does it this way. Every other daddy does it that way. It seemed logical to take the king and take the best animals. Why waste them? Why waste them? You know, here's the rule at our home growing up. Dad and mom did not make us try everything. But if it went on your plate, it went in your mouth. Because we didn't have a whole lot. So, they didn't scoop it out. They said, my daddy's whole saying is you can reach back and get some more. You can try it. If you're not, don't waste it. Because we're going to put it my daddy will still save that much of something. Put it in a little be thing and And here's what they'll get done. They'll say, well, we made it one more time. You ever heard that? You take somebody in their 80s that's seen hard times, they understand what it's like to make it one more time. But he would always say, look, you don't have to try it, but if you put it on your plate, don't waste it. Sometimes the things in this world though, we put on our plate, we need to just throw it out. Because it doesn't make logical sense, we we hold on to it. We hold on to things that bring dishonor to God. And we hold on to them for logical reasons. We say, oh, but we may use that. There's stuff crammed in every corner of a Baptist church. We keep stuff. I mean, we store up stuff we're never going to use again. We're on a mission trip in York, Pennsylvania. And we said, one of the things we're going to do is try to help them clean it up, spruce it up. We went into this one closet. It is stacked up, Sunday school teachers. You know the big envelopes that all the information comes in? Stacks and stacks. And we said, oh, great. We looked, it was from the 80s. Now, we were there in like 2006. It was like 1987. There was a roll-off dumpster out back. We began to fill that thing up. We're throwing stuff out. We're throwing stuff out. Pastor's wife had a meltdown. The next thing we know, she's standing in the back of the roll-off dumpster throwing it all back out. We said, keep peace with her, and when she's gone, we'll throw it all back away. Some things need to be thrown out. It did not seem logical To throw it away. But it needed to be gone. We we want to be logical with things. We say, well, it's just not logical to give 10% of everything I make to God. Well, see, that's where you mess up in your logic because you're using man's thinking. It's not your money. It's God's. God can take 10% and do whatever he wants. God can take five loaves, two fish. God can take whatever he wants. Make no mistake, it is God's. And if you don't give Him what He has called you to give, you don't hearken into His voice, God will exact the price. You can't hide it in your checkbook, your credit card, your four-wheelers, your boats, your rental house. You can't hide it from God. We must stop trying to think logically because His ways are not our ways. His ways are so far above anything we could ever think. But then... He tried to rationalize. Well, yeah, but I can give it as an offering. Can I tell you, God don't want your sinful offering. If you try to justify your sin and say, but I'll, I'll, I can make money and I can, you know, I can help the church out. God don't need your help. God wants obedience, not sacrifice. God does not need what you think would help things out. God can do whatever he wants with nothing God'll make hey he said if people don't praise him he can make the rocks cry right isn't that in your Bible? Stop trying to rationalize what you're doing evil that brings a Reproach against God. Oh, but we can tax it. Oh, but we can do this. Oh, but we'll do that. And it'll help the community. I'm going to tell you what will help our community. Those prayer lists, when we get on our face and we pray for our neighbor, we pray for our family, we lead them Jesus, that's the way you help your community. I don't think y'all are convinced of that. See, we're still trying to think rationally. When God changes it, it's changed. Lives that understand they matter to God will be lives that will change their world for Christ. They wrote books about the Apostle Paul. It was, he didn't think rationally. He didn't think, oh, but I can, I can ease into it. Oh, but I can kind of, if I don't make a big showing and have my name changed and all that, then I can still kind of minister... God said, no, there's got to be a clean break. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. If you do, you have compromised, and the world will see your worldliness, not your self-righteousness. You can't do both. You can't go to FCA on Wednesday morning and go to Bible study and talk like the devil at practice. You can't do it because the world sees your hypocrisy. You cannot go to church and live like the devil during the week and think you can see a change in others when they see you rationalizing your Christianity. It is a sin to rationalize. And he said, and the people. Look what he said in verse 9. Saul did it, but he said the Saul and the people spared Agag. Now, Saul did exactly what he wanted, right? Wasn't Saul the king? At the voice of the king, couldn't he have somebody's life snuffed out? So if they did it, it was at his leadership. It was selfish. It was selfish. The world was watching him. And he did that which he saw was right in his own eyes. Daddies, listen to me, daddies. Your wife and children are watching you. Mamas, your children are watching you. You may think that, and this is what kills me. We think they're the beautiful, most beautiful, brightest kids on the world. But then when we do something sinful, we think they're so dumb they can't pick up on it. Now what is it? Are they the smartest or are they the dumbest? Your children are brilliant. All of your children are brilliant. They see what you do. They hear the intent of your heart. If they see you at church smiling, glad, hand, we love you, and then hear you back stabbing somebody in the car going home, or you're mad and talking evil and ugly against somebody during the week, they hear it. They hear it. Y'all, What? I'm gonna tell you, Ethan did something when he was a little boy. I'm not gonna tell you what it was, but it was, but it didn't lay at his door. It laid at mine. It laid at mine. I've done things that reflected my father, my mother. Sometimes I hear something. I'm like, Dad's here. How'd Dad get down here? And I realize I, it, it was my words. I heard my dad coming out of my mouth. Y'all ever had that? You look in the mirror and you say, oh, dad, how'd you get here? You see, it was selfish. It was all about him. But look in verse 13 through 15. Samuel came to Saul. Saul said unto him, blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Liar. Samuel said, well, what? What meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, oxen which I hear? And Saul said, oh, he's quick on his feet now. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Listen, my daddy always told me if you lie, you're going to have to tell another lie to cover that lie up, and eventually it's going to catch you. Those of you who are in law enforcement, that's how you trick them up. You ask them the same old stuff, and they keep telling lies, keep telling lies. And eventually they're caught. Well, he kept digging himself a hole. The more he taught, the deeper it got. He revealed it was prideful. He said, oh, I was going to come do something for God. Well, why didn't you bring it all home then? Oh, I left the other. Well, who made you judge? Y'all didn't want judges anymore. You wanted a king. You're the king. You do what God says do, and you did not. Oh, but I, I have obeyed the command. It was so prideful. We come Sunday after Sunday and we say, God, look, I'm here. Check. Look at me. I preached today. God, I have earned me some more points. I even stood up and sang. God, did you see? I gave $20 this week. I gave $10,000 this week. Reminds me of Peter's words to the man who tried to buy God. And his is he said, you and your money perish with you. God doesn't need us. But he wants us. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It was prideful. It was just absolutely prideful to think we can please God in our own strength. In our own judgment. In our own logic. In our own rationale. I have figured out how to please God. The only way to please God is to hearken unto his voice. God's got... Sixty-six books to direct us. We don't need anything else. We just need to put our nose in this. We need to put these on that. and We need to call out, listen, some of the greatest prayers I've ever been a part of is the ones where I shut my mouth and opened my heart and listened. Prayer. I, I don't know if you realize, it, but prayer's not always about asking God for something. Sometimes it's just listening. That's hard to do sometimes because we want to go down our laundry list. God, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and God help this, and God help that. And it's great that we depend on God for that. But what about a time where we say, God, I'm not going to say anything today. You just talk to me. Lord, may I have ears to hear what you've got to say to me. What are you calling me to? What are you directing me around? What are you wanting to do in my life? He said in verse 22 through 25 that it was just plain sinful. And Samuel Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, O oh me, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Well, he just said he kept the command. Now he said, oh, I have transgressed, I have crossed the line. And the words, because I feared the people. And now he's using excuses. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. It was sinful. You see, it was rebellion against the word of God. He was anti-word. Some of us think we're smarter than what this Bible's got to tell us. We've become anti-word of God. We don't want to hear anything he's got to say. And sometimes we're bold enough to even enunciate that. God, I know what your word says, but I don't want to hear it. We're anti, we have become rebellious against the word of God. God's word has not changed. It's the same the day you were born as it is today. It was the same 2,000 years ago as it is today. It stands not in changing with the culture, not in the change of popularity, not in the change of language. It never changes. Why? Because God's Word said Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus doesn't change. Therefore, the Word can't change, for He is the Word. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad it's not a moving target. I'm glad it's not on a sliding scale so that it's different for one group than it is for the other. It is the same no matter what border you cross, no matter what language it's in. We're planning on going to Haiti this summer. And whether it's in French or whether it's in Spanish, whether it's in Portuguese, whether it's in some a Cyrillic language or whether it's in broken southern English drawl it is still the word of God. Amen. Rebellion against the word of God is just anti-stubbornness toward the word of God. We're self-opinionated. It's about, well, I know what the word of God says but I think it means this. When we become eisegetical and we start trying to read things into the word Yeah, I know what it says, but we're headed toward disaster. It doesn't matter what you think. What matters is, thus saith the Lord. Now, we need to interpret the Word and and study to show ourselves approved. But understand, the Word tells us it's not for any private interpretation. And and here's another thing. Listen to me real closely. God's not going to tell you one thing and tell somebody else something different about the same scripture. And God's word will never, listen to me, God's word will never refute itself. If you think there's a contrast, okay, you read something in the New Testament and you say, well, that's different than it is in the Old Testament. Here's the way to understand that. It's real simple. It's an easy technique. When you take that and you see those two verses, you lay them out, you get on your face and you say, God, show me what you mean because if I think there's something wrong, I know I'm wrong. Because your word never fails. If you ever think the word has somehow failed, understand the failure is in us. Stop with the stubbornness. Stop with the rejection of the, this is just refusing the word of God. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything. We, we shut God down. We won't, I mean, we may come to worship, we don't hear what he says. Will you be able by Thursday to tell what we sang this morning? Will you be able to remember the scripture that I preached this morning? Will will something stick from Sunday school that you can share with someone else? The words that pop up in my mind right now is blessed assurance, blessed assurance, blessed assurance. That we sang this morning, blessed assurance and in Christ alone. My blessed assurance. See, all the songs we sang... We're in total agreement. One didn't say one thing, one say the other. They all said the same thing in support of what this word says. In Christ alone, I have my blessed assurance. That's it. People let you down, won't they? Jesus won't. God's word won't. So where does it all end? We must obey. How do we do it? We must obey his words of conviction. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He tells us we must confess our sins. Realize we are lost sinful beings. We must obey the words of conviction. We can't just come down an aisle popping gum, saying, well, I'll choose God when I reach this age. I got news for you. You don't set the timetable on the Holy Spirit. You can't decide at this time and this such and such place, I'll get right with God. You say, well, what do you mean? Are you telling me I'll die before? No, I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you that if you don't come when God calls you, then it is all for naught because you don't get to choose. You love him because he first loved us. You go to him because he comes to you. You can't set the timetable because I'm going to tell you, time will run out. You may still be living and breathing on this side, but your time is over. That may seem harsh to you, but it's in God's word. His words of conviction, his words of compassion. He said that if you'll believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. We need to understand his words of compassion. Jesus loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And here's why. In Hebrews chapter 10, where Matt read this morning, it said Jesus Christ died once for all. He said it wasn't by the blood of bulls and goats. He said God would not have any of that, but he demanded a body. Here's the reason why obedience is better than sacrifice because there's only one sacrifice on the face of this world that's ever been able to suffice, the holiness of God. That was Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. When Jesus died, the Lamb of God being slain... For the sins of the world. Our Holy Father looked down. And saw a virgin birth. Saw a sinless life. And in that vicarious death. Accepted. That offering. The sacrifice. For the sins of mankind. He is the only. Worthy. Sacrifice. It is through that body. Through that sacrifice that we can now come boldly and present our bodies a living sacrifice but it's through Jesus and so we obey his words of conviction, his words of compassion but his words of completion if you're born again he'll grow you if you'll listen he will lead you if you'll seek him while He may be found trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding. What did Saul do? Lean on his own understanding. He rationalized. He, he justified. In his own logic. He said, this is how I can make it work. Trust in the Lord. And lean not into your own understanding. He'll use you. He so what can I do with this big invite? Man, pray. And simply go to somebody and say, I want to personally invite you to come and sit with me and worship the risen Savior on Easter. Boom. You did it. It took all of 18 seconds. You did it. Why? Because you listened to God. He'll lead you. He'll grow you. He'll use you. And make no mistake about it, He will bless you. Verse 35, And Samuel came no more to see Saul, Till the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Listen, church. Somebody may be heartbroken over you. They say they go to church all the time. They serve over there, but their heart's not right. Somebody's praying for you. Your name is on somebody else's list. Because you've tried to reach God. You've tried to please God in sacrifice. But God is calling you to obedience today. And as they come to the instruments, without hesitation, you know. You know you need to come and surrender. You need to hear his words of conviction and say, God, I will follow you. I will do everything you say do. And when I mess up, you'll forgive me. Look, Saul's not the only one to disobey God, but he did so in such a prideful, arrogant way. God took the anointing. God never saw him as the king again. And God anointed David. To this day, when you look at Israel, and you see their flag flying proudly over their nation, you see a White background with a blue border and right in the middle is a blue six-pointed star. It's not the star of Saul. It's not even the star of Samuel or the star of Solomon. It's the star of David, the man who replaced Saul. Today, don't let Satan Still the shine from the God, God's star he's placed on your life. God's calling in your life, calling unto repentance, calling unto salvation, calling unto service. Whatever it is, may we all come today laying our prayer requests on the altar. But don't come pray and lay those on the altar and say, Oh God, I want to pray for them until we first pray for ourselves. God, make me, use me, mold me, forgive me. That I may be everything you've called me to be. Stand and come this morning. Stay and come.